Amen. Thank you, Matt. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm a member of the congregation here at St. Saviour's, and I'd love to extend my welcome to anyone who's in the building here for the first time today and anyone who's joining. So we are midway through a teaching series on the fruit of the Spirit. Can you see a slide? You can. Okay, amazing. I can't see it on that screen, so I was a bit nervous. Anyway, we're midway through a teaching series on the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle writes about in the book of Galatians. He says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we've been exploring what this is all about by looking at a different aspect of the fruit each week. And I've been asked to talk about goodness and kindness. I'm not quite sure what I've done to deserve two fruits today, but, um, <laughs> but there we go. You've got two fruits for the price of one this morning. If I had a choice, though, I would have chosen the fruit of joy, because if I did, I could have shown you a photo of my cat, who is also called Joy. But... <laughs> And so for those of you who are listening carefully, that um, joy was mentioned in the reading, so I think it's fine. <laughs> um, joy is a rescue cat. Um, I got her from a shelter, um, but I believe that she was a gift from the Lord. A few years ago, I think I've mentioned this before, but a few years ago, I was um, feeling fairly down and quite sad, and I was praying for more joy in my life. And one day I was idly scrolling on the RSPCA website, as you do, <laughs> and I found this beautiful cat whose name was Joy. And I honestly believe that, that the Lord can do anything, can use anything to answer your prayers and change your life. It's quite astonishing. Um, I was told that she came from an old lady who had too many cats to look after properly. Um, so I like to think that Joy's brothers and sisters were also named after the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Love, the cat. Peace, the cat. Faith, the cat. Forbearance, the cat. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to be talking about goodness and kindness. I, I've got no idea what slides you're seeing right now, so... I hope Ben is in control. Let's go back to the banana one. Um, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be talking about goodness and kindness, and I will because this has just got quite weird. Um, but rescuing a cat is quite kind and good, I think, so that's my tenuous link anyway. Um, more seriously, though, let's take it back to the Bible and look at what it says about spiritual fruit. This series, we've been looking at this curious thing that happens when... Um, the thing that happens within us when we ourselves open up our hearts to the fruit, to the whole, to the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses a lovely metaphor in Galatians 5. He says, "We grow fruit. It's as if we are trees producing fruit." And like Claire said last week, it's like the Holy Spirit is sap coursing through those branches and resulting in delicious fruit. And I think this is a particularly relevant image for kindness and goodness, because at least for me, I don't know about you, but many of my acts of kindness involve something edible. And Paul's metaphor also reminds us of Jesus' words in John's Gospel that Hazel beautifully read. As an aside, I don't know if this is intentional, but isn't it cool that our reading about trees bearing fruit 
was read by somebody who is named after a fruit-bearing tree. I think the Holy Spirit might have had something to do with it. Anyway, in John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, and by extension us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And when we choose to follow him, he breathes the Holy Spirit into us and we start to change inwardly and outwardly. And this is the fruit that Paul is, is talking about. Unloving people becoming loving. Joyless people becoming joyful. Aggressive people becoming gentle. And in our case this morning, cruel people becoming kind. And evil people becoming good. I don't know if any of you have witnessed this in real time. Someone changing as a result of knowing Jesus. Have you seen it happen in someone? Or maybe you've, you've, you've witnessed it happening in your own life. It's quite an amazing thing. Claire's wonderful talk last week on self-control made me think about my own journey of growth in this area. She mentioned that something that we might hard, find hard to be self-controlled around is drinking alcohol. I gave up drinking at the beginning of this year, and I've had loads of conversations with people about why. Um, and there are a variety of reasons, but the main one has been that I felt deeply that the Holy Spirit was suggesting it. And so I just kind of went along with him. And honestly, I couldn't have done that so easily in time gone by. In about 2008 or 2009, when I'd only fairly recently become a Christian and started following Jesus, I, um, I, I felt sort of similarly convicted. And I told people that I was going to give up drinking alcohol for a year. But in reality, it didn't last. And what's worse is that I actually continued the pretense that I'd quit and carried on drinking secretly by myself. <laughs> I was just, I was trying to conjure up self-control as a knee-jerk reaction to shame and doing it in my own strength. And at the same time, lying to other people about it. And as the Anglican Confession Liturgy says, there was no health in me. But now, it feels as if God has given up alcohol for me and become my self-control. But it took over 10 years for the Spirit to grow the fruit of self-control in me. Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that alcoholism is the result of a lack of self-control. It's a serious illness that takes over your life, but I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to break the addictions and bring freedom. So I guess the point of my story is that these changes can happen immediately when we're baptised or take a long time, but the Spirit is always at work if we invite him to be. Galatians 5.19 says, Fruit grows when we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, as opposed to what happens when we give in to our natural sinful cravings. These two opposing forces are constantly battling within us. And that's definitely true in me. I don't know about you. Now, I joked before about being given two fruits of the Spirit to talk about today, but really, I think we're dealing with both goodness and kindness in one talk because there's a lot of crossover between the two, and they are hard to differentiate between each other. I was trying to think about how to define goodness as opposed to kindness, and came to the conclusion that we instinctively recognise goodness and kindness precisely because we instinctively recognise cruelty and evil, and we know what the opposite should be. 
But for anyone who likes a little bit more precision in their Bible study, it seems that krestotes, the Greek word Paul uses for kindness in Galatians 5, he also uses for goodness elsewhere in the New Testament. So I think we're okay to deal with them together. Also, the Strong's Concordance defines kindness as goodness in action, which I rather like. Now, no one is going to disagree that the people of St. Saviour's are kind and good. I can think of a hundred times of when I've been blessed by the goodness and kindness of people in our church family. And I hope, I really hope that you guys can as well. We do so many things that are kind and good, from taking meals to families who just had a baby, or when someone is ill, to doing shopping for each other, giving someone a lift, covering for each other on rotors, remembering to pray for one another, to planting trees and caring for our garden. We buy our coffee from Blue Bear, and above all, we use reusable cups. But it's always worth doing a spiritual health check once in a while. And of course, the best way of doing that is to open the Gospels and consider the life of Jesus. Because it's Jesus, God's Son, who came into the world to show us what God is like. And I think that the reason that the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of goodness and kindness in us today is to continue to show the world, perhaps surprisingly in many ways, or in many eyes, that God is kind and good and not evil and cruel. By the fruit of the Holy Spirit that develops in us and the fruit that we offer to the world, the world will taste and see that the Lord is good, as Psalm 34 says. So let's have a quick look at some of Jesus' teaching on this. If you've got a Bible and you can turn to Luke 6, starting at verse 27, it says, But you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try and get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners without, for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate as your Father is, is compassionate. So there are lots of examples there about how Jesus expects us to be good and kind. But the central point is that our goodness and kindness should not be reserved just for those who we love or we like or those who we stand to gain from. That would just be transactional and manipulative. Instead, somehow, we are to be like God, who is kind to the ungrateful and evil. And this is because, extraordinarily, he sees them as beloved sons and daughters, even though they have turned their backs on him, just as he sees us like that too. Now, the world loves to use slogans like be kind or hashtag choose love, often on clothing that is directed to women and girls. 
But, but often I wonder how, um, how deep these sentiments go, if they go any deeper than the T-shirts that they're printed on. Because as often as we see these seemingly altruistic slogans, we see Instagram posts reminding us to practice self-love and self-care and to distance ourselves from anything or anyone that takes from us and does not serve us. Jesus' way is starkly different. We are to give and not count the cost. Or when we find ourselves in passionate ideological disagreement with someone, even someone within our church, whose view we think is wrong. Culture tells us that that person must be cancelled. Their voice is dangerous and should be silenced. And we should disassociate with them. But Jesus calls us to love our enemies, to bless and not to curse. Instead of cancelling, we are to reconcile. In John 15, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Goodness and kindness are starting to sound quite hard. And what is more, have you noticed the way Jesus uncovers and calls out injustice and inequality? He doesn't turn a blind eye to corruption just because it doesn't affect him, but tears through the temple courts, overturning the tables of the vendors exploiting the poor. Or when he exposes gender-based discrimination by suggesting that those who are without sin cast the first stone at the woman, note, not the man, caught in adultery. Or when instead of schmoozing the high-powered and well-thought of Pharisees for the sake of his career, instead he, quote, wastes his time eating and drinking with the poor and those overlooked and avoided by society. Plenty of people are good and kind, but as followers of Jesus, we are called to reflect the impossible, extraordinary, perfect levels of God's goodness and kindness, especially when we encounter injustice. But if, like me, you're really quite lazy, and you think that this sounds exhausting and beyond your capacity, and will make you tired, and I really hate being tired, Hopefully, it will come as a relief to realize that this is exactly the point. We do not become good and kind through our own effort and striving. The only way we can choose to forgive those who've hurt us in unimaginable ways is through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The only way we can love and care for the unlovely and supposedly undeserving is through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And the only way we can give away our money and our time and our energy without resentment is through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We cannot manufacture it. We might try, but the result is a poor imitation. And people can smell inauthentic kindness. They can smell it a mile off. Whereas genuine spirit-growing kindness is attractive and intriguing and it points people to Jesus. The only place our effort should lie is in staying rooted in Jesus. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Only one thing is needed, Jesus says of Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And Mary has chosen what is best to remain in him, to sit at his feet. That's all we have to do. 
And the Spirit will naturally, organically, invisibly produce fruit in us for the world to taste and see that He is good. So as we come to the last few days of summer, and even now in the last few moments of our service, Let's not worry too much about how to be good and kind. Let's not think about ways that we can do random acts of kindness this week. But instead, think about how much time we can spend worshipping him, sitting at his feet, listening, and falling in love with him again and again and experiencing his kindness and goodness as he gently beholds us, his beloved to whom he loves to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Amen.